you do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. Mr. President, I'm here! I voted for you! Wait a minute. That guy on the grassy knoll's got a gun. He's gonna shoot the president. Holy smokes, I've gotta do something. All right, Lee. Time to become an American hero. Darkmyths.org and the Opus Media Group proudly present to you the Lone Gunman Podcast, featuring your host, Rob Clark, where research comes to shine and myths come to die. Stay tuned. Be right there. ever going to see a prosecution in the Kennedy case? No, of course not. Will the government ever hold a news conference and some official get up and say, okay, okay, here's what really happened? No. But will we ever know the whole truth? I I can't see any way that we ever will. I truly can't. Uh, And that, that saddens me. There's too much at stake here. It's going to take another generation or two before everybody is gone from the scene I still don't know what happened. I still don't know who did it. I still don't know why they did it. And I don't know if I ever will. And that's a very um, disturbing thought. A lot of people like to play the game, even within the research community, that we'll never know. But I think that's silly. I mean, I think that it's an empirical question and we can know. By pulling our energies together and working together, we can make changes. I mean, we've gotten releases of documents that have rewritten the whole history. And we all do pray we're wrong. We'd rather be wrong than right. You know, we'd rather not have to live in the world that evidence takes us to, you know, because it's not a happy conclusion. On the other hand, if I had to live in a world where I felt that I couldn't know the truth, that I couldn't know anything, uh, that would be disturbing to me. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is episode 131 of the Lone Gummin Podcast, and I'm your host, Rob Clark. And with me today, I am pleased to have documentary filmmaker Randy Benson with me. How you doing, Randy? Hey, Rob. Good to talk to you. Thanks. Hey, thank you for coming on the show. And folks, if, if you've been around the assassination and researching into it at all, you've heard about this film called The Searchers now for many years. It's finally here. And Randy, tell everybody, uh, just right off the top, um, 
where they can catch it this November in Dallas? Well, um, there will be a private screening at the JFK Lancer Conference um, at the Adolphus Hotel on Saturday the 19th at 9 p.m. And then the the world premiere um, public screening will be on Monday, November 21st at the Texas Theater over in Oak Cliff in Dallas um, at 7 p.m. And uh, that's uh, very affordable. I'm just I'm keeping the price down to five dollars for the public screening, and um, and it should be a good night. Um, Robert Groden, Jim DiEugenio, Flea, and a number of other people will be be there as well. Yeah, that's awesome that you can have it in the Texas Theater. That's that's great. I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah, that's um, cool. I think uh, also folks out there, I think John Barber is his uh, Garrison Tapes Part Two is going to be shown there earlier in the day as well, I believe. Wow! I don't know if you know anything about that, I think he's doing it at one o'clock on Monday. So wow. don't make no plans for Monday, the twenty-first, people, because uh, there's lots of great things happening at the Texas Theater. Um, so Randy, this, this, you know, let's, let's talk about the the searchers, you know, the movie itself, because, you know, when you, when, when you think about researchers and people interested in the assassination and people that want to make a documentary about it, nine out of 10 of them are going to want to focus on some portion or aspect of the evidence. What you've done is taken a closer look at some of the researchers and uh, that are involved with the case. So tell everybody a little bit about yourself and, and <clears throat> how you came to uh, want to do this project. Well, I'm, a, I'm an independent filmmaker um, here in Durham, North Carolina, and I teach at the um, Center for Documentary Studies at Duke University here in Durham. And most of my films... Um, have been focused on portraits of people who um, are kind of overlooked or marginalized in in society in society at large. So um, I've always been interested in the in the JFK assassination and and the other political assassinations of the '60s. And what interested me most was not just the the uh, the case in general are just fascinating, but um, but my big question from the very first was, who are these people that are researching this case, and why is it left up to them to do it? I mean, where where is the major media? Where's our fourth estate? Where where are the historians? And um, the more the more cursory reading I did, the more I realized that that the people who are doing the work are just average people, and they've been maligned, marginalized, and um, and just riddled with uh, ad hominem attacks from from 
mainstream academia to mainstream media and even most independent media. Yeah, that's a very, very good point that, you know, it falls on us to get to the truth and it shouldn't be that way. You know, I mean, and granted, we shouldn't sit around and wait for the government to, to give us all the answers either because they're not. You know, when it comes to these assassinations and the political assassinations of the 60s as a whole, you know, th people like the CIA, they were involved in doing other things as well that they don't want the public to know about. And, you know, when, when you start getting into and, and checking out all these documents, you know, we know a lot more now than we did then. And you can kind of see why people were drawing the conclusions that they were drawing back in the 60s because we didn't know a lot of what our own government was actually doing. And uh, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. And uh, and for me, it's – you know, what I, what I found even crazier is that, you know, I'm someone who, who I've – you know, I'm intellectually curious. I um, consider myself somewhat well-read, and I mean, not compared to people like a lot of the researchers I've I've uh, interviewed and are in my film. But you know, I I made this film for my audience's me before I started this project. I found I was inter intellectually curious. You know, I knew, I thought I knew a lot about history, but why didn't I know about the House Select Committee determination that there was a probable conspiracy? Why didn't I know that um, that all of the files had been locked away till the year 2030, 2035? Why, had, why didn't I know at the time that there had been a trial in the assassination of Kennedy. You know, all these things that it's part of our history, but I just, I didn't know. And, and after working on this project, you know, I'm, I'm in academia and I'm in these circles and people who should know better don't know about any of that and are learning about it by watching my film. And, um, yeah. And so that's what I found most interesting about this whole process. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fascinating, you know, the amount of, I guess you could call it <clears throat> professor, uh, taught type courses at some of these colleges that, you know, you hear about certain ones, um, you know, I think Jim Mars was doing it for a while. Uh, John John McAdams up at Marquette. Um, but you know, even earlier, this this stuff should be taught in high school, and it's not being taught whatsoever. I mean, it's it's stick to the textbooks, learn what you learn what the you know that they tell you that you need to learn. And you know, we, we've lost a lot of critical thinking. You know, when it comes to history, and history being taught to our our, our children and well, even to us, you know, I think we're about the same age, you know, and I don't think neither one of us was alive at the time of the assassination. Um, you know, I was alive during the HSCA, but I was a young child, you know, I didn't, it wasn't even on my radar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so over the course of, you know, 20 or 30 years, 
unless you have an interest in this stuff and you pay attention a little bit to what's going on, you know, don't feel bad. You didn't know that the HSCA concluded that there was a probable conspiracy, you know, because a lot of people have no clue unless they have an interest in the case. Um, Because, you know, the news is not going to tell you this. The media is not going to tell you this. The government's not going to tell you this. And the people on the other side will say that it was just a, a big misunderstanding, uh, that it was based off of, uh, you know, these Dictabelt recordings and, and the sound and it's, you know, that's been debunked since then. So there was no conspiracy. Um, you know, but you look at a lot of the work of these independent researchers and you see a, a much different story. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's not the lesson that, and the gift that all of the researchers over the years have, have given us is that it's giving us an insight into how government secrecy works. And I think that's why the JFK assassination is so critical because it really gives us the template on how to view contemporary events um, and how the gov- government covers, covers them up. Um, and how the mainstream media and historians, mainstream historians, don't touch it. You know, they, you know, Jim, Jim Mars taught a course, a continuing ed course at UT Arlington. But, and, that, and that's great. But like you said earlier, all of this stuff should be in the textbooks. You know, it should, the HSCA should be in the textbook. It should be part of the narrative of the JFK assassination. Um, yeah, right after the Warren Commission. <laughs> but it's yeah. not. And it should always be the alleged assassin. Right. Um, because he was never tried. Um, right. I think they had to change that plaque out in front of the Sixth Floor Museum to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and... And so it's uh, it's not just it shouldn't be left, you know. I, I it shouldn't be left up to individuals to teach whole courses. All of this should be in our mainstream history books, just as you know, so many other events should should be covered differently or more broadly. But. Um, but for me, in the end, this case was left up to individuals, just just people, interested, dedicated people, and um, and they've been they've been maligned. And of course, I I include um, the CIA document ten thirty five nine sixty, which outlines. Um, how to deal with critics of the Warren Commission, and that was a, that CIA, CIA document um, from PsyOps. And um, is that the one referencing conspiracy theorists? Yeah, that's yeah. the that was the very first, um, the very first joining of those two words in the in American in the American in English lexicon. So. Um, you know, they, the CIA, psychological operations, invented that, that phrase to malign 
the critics of the Warren Report. So, you know, these individuals have been battling this from day one, and they're still battling it. And uh, in my film, I chronicle a lot of that, um, how the media has gone after critics of not only the Warren Report, but other uncomfortable truths in, in uh, American history and and how they're immediately written off as conspiracy theorists and nuts. But they are the people who are responsible for the JFK Records Act being passed. And they're, they're the ones who are responsible for the 6.5 million pages of documents that have been released under the act. And they're the ones who are still fighting to get the remaining documents released um, by October of next year. So we owe a great deal to the researchers. And, um, and I hope my film uh, leaves the audience with, with, an, with a, a real indication of everything they've gone through and, you know, the gift that they've given to our generation and you know, we, you and I, and the next generation owe a lot to them, and it's incumbent upon us to to kind of keep up their work. Oh, for sure. You know, and it, even, even I think, you know, a lot of it is, uh, I think Oliver Stone's film, JFK, was, was really, really important in, in the historical aspects of things as far as getting these files released, and and generating interest again in, in the assassination. Um, you know, the HSCA, of course, did it in the late 70s. And it, I, I think, you know, if it wasn't for Stone's film, you know, I, I don't think we'd have the JFK Records Act. I honestly don't. Or the ARRB or, or, or anything else. You know, because even, even back in the 80s, you know, that people were writing books. A lot of researchers were writing books, you know, David Lifton and Jim Mars and, and, you know, they were being maligned by the media and not really paid much attention to. And a lot of the, a lot of the really, really good information was coming out then, you know, after the HSCA and after, uh, the, you know, FOIA was introduced by, uh, by Nixon in the, in the early seventies and people were getting their hands on some documents and learning more things as more people talked and, uh, you know, but let's tell everybody a little bit about, uh, the researches that you focused on in the film. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, let me see. I don't want to go back to the very beginning, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, it's kind of the most important. Yeah. So I started, um, um, looking into this case being interested it really piqued my interest after the the Oliver Stone film and of course like so many of us the that title card at the end of the film that that stated that all of the documents are locked away till the year 2035 um yeah I was shocked and I had no idea so that's kind of what piqued my interest so um in 2001, I, I'd been – in those intervening years, I'd read everything I could get my hands on and um, 
I read the um, volume one of the Warren Report. I didn't attack all the other volumes of supporting evidence, but um, and the HSCA. Um, well, that's a Herculean task. Yeah, and it I'm the slowest reader ever, so it was multiple summer vacations. But um, um, but in 2001, I I got online and saw that there was a conference in Dallas, um, the JFK Lancer conference, and and so I um, I flew down just to observe, just to see what's what this was all about, and uh, and while I was there, it. I, you know, I found it fascinating, and um, unlike anything I'd expected, I I kind of thought that there might be those people that they always called conspiracy theorists. But what I saw was intellectual and academic work being presented and being questioned. I mean, it was an academic enterprise, right. um, and exciting too. Um, then I found out, someone told me that there was another conference across town and, uh, the coalition on political assassination conference, um, run by John judge. And at the time, Bill Kelly and Mike Nurko and T Carter and, um, Carl Chatsky and another number of other people were, uh, but you know, John judge was, was uh, the most, by far, the most active member of COPA at, at that time, right. and um, as he as he was till the day he died, um, and I just started, and um, um, let me see, and and so I made made that initial contact and. Um, just started talking to people. And then I shot the first frame of the film at John Judge's American University um, Memorial on June 10th, 2002, where he um, always had a memorial to JFK's peace speech. And as we all know now, that was probably the final nail in Kennedy's coffin. He gave that speech. Um, and then from, from then on, I filmed all the way up through 2013, um, many interviews and, um, the Dallas, most of the Dallas conferences, I only missed two, um, missed going to Dallas two of those years from 2001 to, um, what will be this year. I've only missed two. And uh, so I ended up going around the country and interviewing, of course, John in D.C., but also Rex Bradford up in Ipswich, Mass., who's the director of the Mary Farrell Foundation, and he's making all of those documents available online. Um, what a what an incredible resource! And. Um, Josiah Thompson out in Bolinas, California, Gary Aguilar in San Francisco, Jim DiEugenio in Long Beach, Lisa Pease in L.A., Robert Grodin 
a number of times in Dallas and Midlothian, Texas. Um, Jim Mars out on his ranch in Wise County, Texas. Um, where else did I go? I I did interview um, um, Walt Brown up in New Jersey, and um, uh, Adele Edison, Andy Winarchik of the Last Hurrah Bookshop up in uh, um, up in Pennsylvania, and uh, Cyril Wecht in P Pittsburgh, and Mark Lane and at his home in uh, Charlottesville, and uh, of course um, Deborah Conway um, at her house right outside of Dallas. So, you know, I kind of I wanted to get as as much of a cross section as I could, um, you know, and the biggest problem with my film is that it's impossible for me to have interviewed all the researchers that I wanted to. I mean, there are so, so many people out there that I would have um, loved to have included in my film, but it's a 90 minute film and I have to make it interesting and it has to move along and so I just hope to give a general audience a cross-section of experts um, in different fields who have been researching the case for generation, for generations. Um, but I do also have a whole section where I cover the first generation researchers. So Sylvia Marr, Penn Jones, um, Mark Lane, Mark Lane again, May Brussel, uh, Mary Farrell, um, um, Shirley Martin, Ray Marcus, Vince Landria, you know, all those early, early people. So you know, that's awesome. And, you know, of course, like you said, you know, you're, you're uh, your movie's 90 minutes, but you know, you're also providing, I think, for anybody interested out there, <laughs> this is this is crazy, folks. If you go to the searchersfilm.com and go to their store, you can order a limited edition 20 DVD box set with 37 hours of never-before-seen interviews with a lot of these researchers. And that that's that's awesome that you're putting all that out there like that. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but it's awesome, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the, I'm, these are interviews with, with these researchers, not just about, um, their research in the case, but how they got started and, and, uh, all the, the roadblocks they hit and how they, they were attacked over the years. And, um, just, you know, most of these people had never given an interview in their, in their home and almost, I mean, none of them were asked why they chose to spend their lives doing this. And, um, you know, it's, uh, most of these people I thought I'd interview, it'd be a 40, 45 minute, maybe an hour interview. And we're talking some of them I interviewed for four or five hours and the information 
um, you know, is I think is so valuable to not just the history of of uh, this case, but you know, kind of a, a history of people who are in who are looking into the hidden history of the United States. So I'm very proud to have um, been given these interviews. Um, it took years of building trust and um, you know gaining access and and becoming friends with uh, with a majority of these researchers and I hope the audience can find a lot of value in in uh, hearing their stories and you know in a 90 minute film you can only include a fraction of of interesting stuff of what they have to say. So, yeah, but it, you know, it's awesome that, you know, you're making it available as part of this box set, you know, just, it, it, it's amazing. And, you know, I would encourage everybody out there that has an interest in this case and to check it out for sure. Because I mean, this is, this is a lot of stuff that's never been seen or heard before. You know, you're talking about the top researchers of the past, you know, 20, 30 years to, up to today. And their personal journeys and stories. I mean, you look, Randy, you could have done a biopic on any one of these people yeah, and still not fit in an hour and a half. But, you know, it's, it, I think it's crazy that, uh, you know, you managed to do what you did, but, you know, you're offering the entire 37 hours of, of, of interviews with these people. Um, and look, if you pre-order now until November 30th, you can save 50 bucks off of the entire price of the DVD set, which is amazing. Um, it's, it's a great deal and there's only a limited number of them. So folks head to the searchers and pre-order your box set today before November 30th. You can save 50 bucks and you can get, like I said, almost 40 hours of, of, of interviews with, with, with researchers. That's amazing, Randy. It's amazing. Wow. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate it. And you're right. Every, every single one of these researchers I interviewed and, and I can tell you right now, every, every good researcher out there, it could be, um, in really interesting multi-hour biopic, um, and, you know, I'm really proud to have, uh, I have the last interview that um, Mark Lane and John Judge um, gave. So I'm, um, you know, I think those are, it's really important to get that out, get those out. And so people can really hear their stories. For sure. I mean, that's worth the price of admission right there. I mean, these... These are the giants of, of the case. And, yeah. you know, to hear what they have to say and, and to hear their final interviews. And, you know, I'm sure they didn't know that they were their final interviews, but um, it's just an amazing opportunity. And, you know, you can't find this stuff everywhere. I mean, sure, you can scour the Internet for hours. And, and, and you know, each each one of these people, John Judge has hours and hours and hours of talks and speeches and Mark Lane does too on YouTube and this, that, and the other. But like you said, I think part of the charm of, of this movie is that 
you actually get them in a comfortable situation in their home where they're comfortable enough to open up to you because they know you and they, you know, you've ran into them year after year and you get them in a position where they're comfortable with where they are and who they're with. And they open up and tell you a lot of things that nobody's ever heard before. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, um, yeah, there were so many great moments throughout, (laughs) throughout these interviews. Um, and you know, I think about Walt Brown takes us into his basement and shows us his, um, his train set and we go into his office and we see all these, all of his books and papers and, um, things he's been given over the years from all the doctors in Parkland and, um, and, you know, we, we get to see inside the Mary, Mary, Mary Farrell foundation and, and see how they scan those millions of pages of documents and why it's important. And, uh, um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, wouldn't I tell you as a filmmaker and as a, uh, as a documentarian, what, what an honor to be able to go into all these people's homes and, and talk to them. Um, you know, yeah, and I, that's it, a lot of stuff that nobody will ever be able to see. You know, you, you can't just walk up to Walt Brown's house and be like, Hey man, can I come in and check out all your stuff? <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, not that Walt's not a nice guy. And if you talk to him for five minutes, he probably would let you in to take a look around. And, uh, but, uh, you know, this is this is behind the scenes stuff that that you know normally people wouldn't ever have a chance to to see. I mean, to see somebody's collection of documents and files and books and papers and I mean, I always thought, man, could you imagine going into Mary Farrell's fireproof shed in her backyard and just seeing what was in there? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and this film, you know, you get a chance to do that. I mean, not necessarily into her shed, but um stuff that was in her shit at one time. Oh yeah. And I, in the film, um, I take the audience to, um, the Pogue library at Baylor university where, um, you know, it houses now the, um, probably the largest public access to the researchers archives. It's really a research JFK assassination researchers archives. So all of Penn Jones papers are there. All of, um, Mary Farrell's papers are there. There's a, there's an effort to get all of May Brussels work there, but you can, you can go there and just see the boxes and boxes and boxes of, of, uh, you know, they're still digging through Mary, Mary Farrell's boxes. Um, oh, I'm sure. I mean, I mean, that's like, that's a Herculean task. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking but, millions of, of papers and you know, it's, I don't know how he does it, you know, to be honest with you, to put all, get all this stuff and it's a great resource, you know, to get all this stuff scanned and online and searchable. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a good resource for researchers for sure to have this stuff online and it, that you can, you know, call up in a, in an instant and, and see what the documents actually said instead of reading what somebody said they said, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
yeah, it it's just amazing to see it and and to be able to go in there and hold the documents and hold the maps that they drew and and be able to see their work and and see their thinking as they worked it out in their notes. Um, and I tell you what a testament and and the the fact that uh, that the Pogue Library is there and we we all need to support them support that organization as much as we can. Um, also the Weisberg documents at Hood College and um, and of course the um, Hidden History Center, part of the Museum of Hidden History that John Judge had started. Um, and you can find that online. Marilyn Tenenoff, Joe Green, um, and um, John Radcliffe. So, uh, um, I mean, Dave Radcliffe. So, you know, these organizations, they are making the researchers work available to the public and and we have to support them or they won't be able to make that those documents available to the to future researchers yeah i think it's and great it's that a lot of these colleges you know like are, you know around the country are, are getting a lot of these documents online like like you said like the, like the pogue library and, and the folks at hood college and uh uva even um I actually used uh, the UVA uh, stuff when it came to audio from uh, the president presidential audio tapes from the sixties um, to get, to get some of uh, LBJ's phone calls uh, the other day. I mean, it's just an amazing, amazing resource to have at your fingertips. And and like you said, it's important to, to support, you know, the, the, a lot of these colleges and, and uh, what they're doing because, you know, they're not going to do it forever. Um, if, if they don't have help, I mean, they could decide tomorrow that it's just not worth it to, you know, house this stuff. They need the space for something else or they need the bandwidth for something else or, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, it's important, important work that these folks are doing. And yeah. I also should mention Randy and to the folks out there that there's a guy now, Michael Best, um, he's been doing a lot of work at the archives. He's actually re-indexed. Uh, the the entire Weisberg archives, um, so and, and put everything together and and more uh, easy to uh, to find stuff, I should say, and they can check that out at uh, that one archive dot org um, for that, which is pretty cool, you know. It's uh, that archive dot org. That one, the number one, that one archive dot org. Wow, he's doing a, a he's doing a ton of. Uh, well, he, he basically he heads over to the archives and gets on the Crest computers there, and just downloads tons and tons of of documents and files and posts them there for everybody to have. And it's amazing resource. You go there every day. He's posting something new every day. I think he's he's selling thumb drives for like twenty bucks with like a terabyte or two of all the JFK files that he's gotten. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. He's a former, uh, counterintelligence, uh, specialist and he's just dedicated his life to, um, 
you know, Glomar Disclosure, which is what he calls his other website where it has his blog. But yeah, he's, he's, he's getting, you know, FBI documents, CIA documents, and, and throwing them all online for everybody to read. And a lot of the stuff nobody's seen before, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I – yeah, I'll definitely check it out. And um, as you said, I urge everyone to, to check it out too. Um, and, you know, it, it just keeps – Another group that's doing great work is the National Security Archive at George Washington University in D.C. And um, I don't know if you or many people in the audience saw, but just just last week they got um, um, many pages of documents about the Bay of Pigs finally pried free from the CIA. And this was just last week. They're yeah. still holding on still fighting in federal court to keep these documents away from the public. Yeah. I mean, even Jefferson Morley has had his lawsuit trying to get a hold of the Joe and files and they won't yeah. let go of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell you his, his work, um, JFK 2017, um, is, is really important because all the documents are due to be, finally released at the end of October in 2017. So that's one, I think this is a, it's a, it's a good thing that my film is coming out now too, because as I go around the country and show the film and talk about it, that will be one of the, one of the ongoing themes of, of my talks that are, these documents are due to be released. And right now, the it appears that the CIA is holding on to up to fifty thousand documents still. Wow! In defiance of congressional order, by the way. Yeah, because it's not that they have to release them in in 2017. Is that that's the end date? They could have done it any time in the past 25 years. Yeah. That is just when they have to do it by, right? Right, and. It could be extended by an executive order of the president. So let's uh, – this <laughs> this may not – this may go on another generation. Oh, let's hope not. And good Lord, if Hillary gets elected, wouldn't that be funny if it was her husband who actually passed the JFK Act and her that nixed it? Here we are, you know, 20 years – well, no, 30 years later almost. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Let's hope that doesn't happen. We'll we'll see. I I, I am skeptical, as as is everyone who's listening right now. Yeah, but well, hopeful. Let's, t- let's touch on something that you were just talking about, and that's and that's taking the film around to colleges, because I think it's very important that you're doing this because not only will it generate interest in in the younger folks, you know, and it and get them interested in the case. But, you know, you're providing a window into something that they probably have no idea about whatsoever. And, you know, I think in doing that, you know, you're going to be doing a great thing as far as, uh, you know, getting people interested in the case, especially the younger folks, because they're not going to get it from anywhere else. Oh, yeah, I think so. And I'm kind of, you know, I've had, Previously, I've had films in in film festivals, and I've gotten distribution. Um, 
but the reception when I've shown just little works in progress of this film at at uh, at universities, the turnout has been just crazy. 300, 400 people. And if you get that at a film festival, you're um, you just don't get that at film festivals. Um, and I'm so I'm kind of I'm kind of taking I think I'm going to take the the original Mark Lane route and take it on the road, like he took the Zapruder film in his presentations in the '60s and early '70s. Um, take it around the country and get it in front of university audiences. And, um, you know, he changed a whole generation of, of how Americans view um, government secrecy by doing that. And maybe this will add another perspective to what people are, what young people are learning in, um, in school these days. Oh, for sure. You know, because hopefully some of the faculty will get a chance to see it as well. And, and you know, maybe it'll start coming up on their radar a little bit as to what they, you know, reflect in their teaching um, with part of the history courses and everything, too. And, you know, they they don't teach. I include a lot on the church committee um, because the media is, I think, a huge piece of my of the case. And. And so I cover it in my film and in the universities, most, most, uh, faculty members don't know anything about the church committee and what was revealed. Um, and I think that's critical in understanding our history and especially understanding the, the Kennedy assassination and how it's been covered. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping to be able to add a little bit of um, perspective to what people are learning and and uh, hopefully we can we can uh, inspire people to research more oh for sure and and you know just to take it back to the to the to the searchers um, you know I think people that dedicate their lives as many of these folks have um, to their search for the truth and to uncovering, you know, the government secrecy surrounding the case. Um, You know, it's got to take a toll on their personal lives, um, affect their family, folks around them. Um, Speak a little bit about that. um, You know, with a couple of these folks. Oh, the, uh, the personal price people have paid. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, every every single researcher um, had to face that at, at one time or another in their in their lives. Um, you know, from from being marginalized. You know, if they were in in universities, um, you know, a lot a lot were immediately shunned by their their colleagues. Um, the, uh, um, so the professional price most people paid was, um, incredible. Um, just a few years ago, Cyril Wecht, you know, faced, uh, 
Bush put all of his uh, political appointees to really take him down. And, um, and while their, their case was just about um, um, some errant phone calls that actually never happened, they seized all of his JFK files. Um, and I think the, I think John Judge is a great example of someone who, who paid a dear price for the researching the case and in all of the political assassinations of the yeah. 60s and 70s. He, uh, I tell you, that guy paid the price for all of us. We, when he died, we lost a good friend and uh, a resource, just a walking encyclopedia of parapolitics in the United States. Um, he fought the good fight, man. Um, from the time he was a kid all the way till the time he died. Um, and he was an enigmatic personality. You know, he had a way with just how he carried himself and how he spoke, you know, which, which made him all the more engaging and interesting. You know, he wasn't some, you know, stuffy old dude with his shoulder pads and his elbow pads and his pipe, you know, up there droning on, you know, monotonously. I mean, to, when, you know, when you heard him talk, you wanted to listen to what he had to say, you know? Yeah. And I tell you, um, one reason it took me so long, I'm convinced one reason it took me so long to, to make this film is because I would find myself just watching the interviews with him on my system and forgetting about editing. I just listened to this interview <laughs> and spend a little time with John Judge or Tink Thompson or Jim DiEugenio, just listening to them talk and I'd have to snap out of it and get back to work. Um, but, you know, I think about this all the time that I, th I feel like I, I've experienced through the course of making this film a little bit, just a little bit of what the researchers have experienced. Um, it's a, I never expected this to be a life, a lifetime project of mine. Um, I thought it was going to be a couple year project, you know, really well, what I thought would have been well researched and, and honest and fair and, but I'd be done with it in a couple years, but, um, 15 years later, <laughs> years later, here I am. And, and it's a case that I don't think I'll ever leave. Uh, I'll make other films on different subjects, but I will revisit this case and I will follow it diligently every day like I have the last 15 years. And over the course of making this film, you know, I, I, um, both my parents have died. My grandmother died. Um, I got married. Um, you know, I met my wife and fell in love and got married and we've had two kids and bought a house and dealt with health issues and come out the other side. And all the while, 
every single day I think about these researchers and the case. Every year for the last 15 years, throughout all of these life events, I've thought about this case and thought about these individuals. So I, I understand, I think, what, what they've gone through over these years. Not fully, because they've paid a much bigger price than, than I have, certainly. But I think I understand what they've gone through. Yeah, I mean, even if, you know, even if you don't agree with everything all these people say, you know, you gotta respect the dedication to the case and to the truth. You know, everybody's oh, yeah. not gonna everybody's not gonna agree on things, and I'm sure you've seen that as well. Oh um, yeah. You know, but on a personal level, just from somebody who's interested in the case, you know. I, Look, I wish I could dedicate my life to doing this and looking into the case, you know, I just, but, you know, life happens, you got other things to worry about. Um, but those that do, you know, I got nothing but respect for them. All these people in your film, all these researchers, you know, have done that. They've dedicated a good portion of their life to, to researching the case and, and finding the truth and, you just got to respect it. Um, I don't know how to put it any more bluntly than that. Um, you know, like I said, even if you don't agree with everything they say, you've got to respect what they're doing. Like, you know, just for instance, Robert Groden, for somebody to do what he's done, you know, he's responsible for all kinds of important things, you know, such as getting the Zapruder film shown on national television. You know, he was part of the, the uh, photography panel for the HSCA. You know, he was a consultant on Oliver Stone's movie, but he's been a dedicated presence, you know, almost on a daily basis in Dealey Plaza for the past, what, 30 years and dealt with all kinds of adversity from the city and the museum, but he still shows up and he still talks to people about the case and you got to respect that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, you know, I like to... I like to talk about Groden specifically because um, not only has he given up time with his family and and um, and faced all of that adversity in Dallas, but the work that he did on the Zapruder film, the image stabilization, he pioneered that. I mean, it was Groden who did that, and I'm convinced that had he done that work on any other film, um, that guy would have been honored at the highest level, like an Academy Award in science and technology for his contributions in um, the science of, of filmmaking. But um, Well, that's called Grodenscoping, isn't it? Named after him. It's called Grodenscope. <laughs> yeah. It's, and... Yet he's just forgotten because he did it on this film. Had he done it on some NASA films or, um, you know, on some of the early documentary films, he would have, that guy would be known in professional filmmaking circles for the contributions he made. But 
you know, he chose to give us a, an intellectual gift. And because of it, he's faced nothing but difficult times. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's also responsible for, you know, helping to, to clean up some of the, some of the imagery, you know, some of the photos and, and, and other films as well. Not just as a pruder. I mean, he's, he's helped clean up, you know, and blow up uh, portions and, and clean up images. And, you know, this is way before Photoshop, um, you know, to the best of his ability that he had then. Um, but, you know, it's just amazing his contributions to the case. And, you know, he's often just, just a forgotten old guy sitting in Dealey Plaza, you know, these days. Yeah. There was a, you know, there was a time that we were, I'd gone for a conference and um, I was filming most of the conferences. And at, at one time we were John Judge, Robert Groden, Joe Green, and I were driving from Dallas to Baylor to go to the Pogue Library. And uh, we had, we stopped at a Starbucks somewhere between um, some in the nether, you know, in the in the hills of Texas, somewhere between Dallas and Baylor. Um, and we were walking into the Starbucks and Joe Green and I were following and Joe wrote about this in in one of his books. But we looked up and realized that we were walking with Dwayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux of <laughs> the uh, political assassination world. And they were just walking in and no one knew who they were. No one knew the contribution to American history that, that they had made, except us. And we were right behind them walking in going, they should, people around us should know who these people are and what they've done for us. Yeah, it should be like Elvis and Michael Jackson walking in, you know, yeah. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was a Starbucks, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure – I think they've been cited at Starbucks since they passed, so it's maybe possible. That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, Randy, man, I appreciate you coming on, and I really hope the best for your film. And And I know you, you've done a great job with it. Um, just from watching the trailer, man, you got me. I mean, when that sympathy for the devil hits, it's like, wow, okay, here we go. All right. Well, I tell you, it's uh, um, it was an honor to make it, and I'm just so thrilled for for people to be able to see it and for us to talk about it. And the uh, it's an, you know the subject is important, and I but more than anything, I think it's important for people to know that there were people who individuals who sacrificed their lives for us for for the truth to get out so uh i really appreciate you having me on and talking about the movie oh no problem now if people want to follow you on social media facebook and twitter stuff like that to keep abreast of what's going on with you how can they do that oh yeah well the searchers film is on facebook twitter um and you can always find me right on um, thesearchersfilm.com, and all the social media links are there. Um, my Facebook is The Searchers Film. 
and the Twitter handle is um, um, Searchers Film. So at Searchers Film. Yep. Awesome. And like I said, I'll put up links for over on TLG Podcast to get to your website and stuff like that. Um, they can watch the trailer at thesearchersfilm.com for the movie. And also at that website, head to the click the little more button at the top and it will take you to the store where you can go ahead and pre-order your limited edition 20 DVD box set, including 37 hours of never before seen interviews with a lot of these prominent and preeminent assassination researchers and scholars of our time. A lot of these folks have PhDs and MDs and JDs behind their name. Um, so yeah, and if you do it now before November 30th, pre-order this box set, you can save 50 bucks. And I highly recommend that you do that. I mean, it's this is a great price for a 20 DVD box set of 40 hours of never before seen interviews. And Randy Benson, thank you so much for bringing it to the world, man, and doing what you did. And I cannot wait to see this film. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Rob. I appreciate it. And I'll I'll let you know and just keep checking out the website and uh, I'll make sure the outreach is there for upcoming screenings and Dallas is the first, but hopefully the next over the next year I'll, I'll be coming to a theater near you. Yeah. Or a college <laughs> near you. So stay tuned. Yeah. Randy, thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. All right. Thanks buddy. I really appreciate it. No problem. You hang on the line for me. Folks, head over to TLGpodcast.com, and I'll put up links for everything we talked about here. And uh, make sure, if you're in Dallas this year, check out the film. Uh, if you got a ticket to Lancer, you're going to see the film. It is sold out. Um, the conference at Lancer is sold out this year. So Texas Theater might be your next best bet to see it until Randy gets to your town, unless you go ahead and get yourself this DVD box set, which I highly recommend. Um that's it for now, people. Some bitches in the can beamed up the satellite down directly to your ears, people. This is your boy. Peace. right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. 
and update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt Bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only.